And welcome back to the Polychromatic Podcast. I am your host, Zach, along with my co-host, Elaine. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Zach. How are you doing today? Good. Good. What do you think of the snow? You know, um, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, you know, we've honestly been getting pretty mild winters, all things considered. Not not since you've moved back, um, but, um, you know, for the past two years prior, it's been pretty mild. But looks like we're back to the normal, you know, snow in, snow out. Yeah, except I got to say, this long-term cold snap we've had, I don't oh, remember yeah. it being this cold ever. And I've lived in Colorado for so many years. And honestly, it's been really cold. It has been. And the biggest problem, the thing I have the biggest problem with snow-wise, um, is that it doesn't offer any time for the other snow to be to melt away. So, you know, it's like it's like a permafrost kind of situation. Since when do we have this grungy snow in Colorado? Usually it's bright white and it melts away in a few days, two, yeah, three days. Yeah. And- that's the 300 sunny days a year. That's why I was I was always told, you know, that's how we get our 300 sunny days, the 300 sunny days to melt all that snow away. I'm looking forward to it. I cannot wait for spring. I will be so excited. Well, I'm sure, you know, with your history being out in California, you know, being formerly a Cali girl and all, you know, that you, you, that cold winter, you know, really, really sinks into your bones. Oh, no kidding. It's taking me a while to adapt. Regardless, it's great to be back in Colorado with my son and um, really, really great to be doing these podcasts with you. I'm really enjoying this. Well, it's great to have you back and I'm also enjoying these podcasts as well. Um, so anyways, um, I don't think we have any side topics to talk about um, other than I wanted to update you guys on the status of the website. Um, pretty much all the main features that I want there or I need there are there. Um, I've included the ability to be able to comment on new podcast episodes and those automatically as we syndicate them from rss.com, our, our actual uh, podcast host will appear on the website and you'll have the opportunity, opportunity if you sign up for an account. Um, it's real simple. It doesn't involve even a password. You basically just submit your email address and you know an, an alias or a username that you'd like to use and you'll be emailed uh, what's called a magic link. And you can click on that magic link and you're automatically logged in. So you do not need to remember another password, but you're able to comment on our new episodes. You're also able to send us a note if you'd like using our contact form. Uh, There can be other various uses for it, as I've outlined, I think, on the previous podcast. One will be if you do contribute to the podcast and you do sign up, we will obviously have some sort of special way of um, setting you aside with your uh, username or your identity or alias uh, to show that you're a contributor. So, um, but other than that, um, everything's there that I want, you know, and we've also written up all of our site sections. So it's a, it's a pretty completed thought of a website, which I'm pretty proud of because I'd say for most website projects and, you know, um, previous, um, recent memory that has not been the case where I've completed all aspects of it. So it just um, shows all your excitement about this. And I'll tell you, he's been so dedicated. I mean, staying up the other night till four 30 in the morning. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say, thanks for making it so you don't have to remember your password. I really think that he did this for me because (laughs) I never remember my password. And it's been so frustrating at times, I'm sure for Zach, because he's going, what's your password? I'm going, I don't know. I don't remember. It was really good, though. Doesn't work. And I think that's what I really like, especially about your design to this, because people can just come and just not even worry about that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanted to lower the uh, impact threshold of effort 
for people getting on the website to, you know, even if it's just like a one time to leave us some feedback. Um, and the great thing is, uh, from a security standpoint too, there are advantages to a passwordless system. And the main advantage is for one thing is most people are not encouraged to use different passwords on different websites, right? So if our database got hacked or some other sites, website, website, you know, uh, website database got hacked, then if you recycle, you know, passwords across websites, um, depending on their storage features, um, there are ways that they can, you know, reverse engineer these, um, they're called call password hashes. Sometimes there's also a thing called salting. I'm not going to really go into too much detail about it, but suffice to say there's ways that you can, you can reinver, uh, reverse engineer the passwords to be able to find out what they are so they can use them on other forms. And it's a pretty typical practice in the hacking community. So the bottom line is a passwordless system. The advantage is really the only way that you'll, your account will be compromised on this website is if your email address is compromised on this website, which of course our website would not contribute at all to those ends because there's no password, even if you did recycle a password. So there you go. Well, I just wanted to say again, thanks so much for working so hard. I really love what you did with it. It's colorful. It's eclectic. It's different. It's very organic and rich and earthy and all those great things that I love about a website when they're created in a way that's very unique. And you really accomplished that with this. Thanks. You know, this has very much been a passion project, um, and I'm usually really good at executing things in that manner. Um, if I can really pick up on the passion, pick up on the image of what we're doing, it becomes all like you know, I'd say infinitely easier. Versus like if I was working on a client freelance terms, you know, on a website or whatever, you, it takes some time to really understand branding and identity. And um, I just wanted to mention real quick um, your influence on the website. Um, you know, initially the background was just a static gradient and, uh, you know, you had suggested, um, wouldn't it be cool if it, if it cycled through colors? And, um, so that was your suggestion. So it was added, but you know, what's interesting is, um, it kind of harkens back to a couple years back when I, uh, purchased my first set of, um, Hue, Philips Hue bulbs and there's the color loop option. And so it remind, reminds me of that color loop I had for a long time had envisioned designing something website related, uh, related that involved a color loop. And there you go. It's right on our website. And not only that, but what's so perfect about it, and it's like hindsight 2020 realizing this, is that since it is the polychromatic or the polychromatique podcast, what a befitting, you know, like in other words, it's cohesive. The website design is very cohesive with the name, with the branding. And also it's, it's also cohesive on the, um, on the side that, uh, since this is the polychromatic podcast, it's multi-hued. It is, you know, more than one color, just like our topics are more than one color. They take on many different forms. Well, thanks so much for that compliment. Um, you know, I really appreciate you mentioning how the color change and, you know, kind of the rainbow kind of effect. It is really sort of, it's relaxing to look at. I mean, you could just look at it and really enjoy it. But honestly, it's beautiful. And I just got to say that you put a lot of soul into it. Well, thank you. And I'll even share one fine, one funny moment is when I did prototype to my mom what it looked like with the uh, background, I decided to turn up the trans the animation transition, sorry, turn down the animation transition time to be really low. 
And I was joking with my mom that it would be seizure inducing. Um, and also just looking at you know, the screen, you know, so that she's like behind the computer, right? And so I'm seeing the color light up her face from the screen. I'm not seeing the screen. And it looks like the police are here. Like I'm seeing red and, and, and uh, blue oscillating on her face. So, of course, we were just doing that to mess around. We were not wanting to really cause people to have seizures or make fun of people that have um, uh, epilepsy or anything like that. But it was just kind of a funny moment, a funny thing to do. So then I, of course, turned it back up. Actually, I think I, it was at 15 seconds and then turned it to 30 seconds, as a matter of fact. But I turned it down to one second just to just to show her, just for her to be funny. So I thought for a minute I was hallucinogenic or something. I mean, I was going, what, is this really doing this? And then we just started laughing. We just had a lot of fun with it. So... Not only have you put the time and energy, but also I think that um, it's also been really fun for me to watch you develop it and show me the, the changes. And it's just come together so nicely. And then also just having fun. I mean, this this whole podcast and the website, even though I know you you put labored many hours for it, I see I can see that you actually had fun putting it together because it was like it was your it was just you. And that's what I think made it so beautiful, because it really shows the beauty that you have. And I mean that. Thank you. And I was going to say the website is a bit uh, like fever dream, drug dream inspired, you know, it's in uh, the fact that it's so colorful and, um, you know, it's got the gradient of colors and stuff. So I'm sure it'll, you know, capture people's attention for sure. Um, but, you know, we really wanted to get across that it really is kind of an extension of the eclectic nature of what we talk about. And, you know, um, it's very befitting. I, you know, I, I was ultimately came back to you as well with, you know, the naming of this podcast as well was, you know, due to the fact that, you know, there's a multitude of nature. I've worked on other past projects before, like one of them was um, Escape Prism, which was a, you know, a, a portmanteau of the word escape and prism. And, um, but here, you know, you came up with polychromatic and then we're like, is polychromatic taken? And they were like, polychromatic, aha. So, you know, we're able to do some, some of our own branding in that sense. And I've just thought that the whole idea of the fact we're talking about different, um, subjects and the fact that, you know, we, it spans the spectrum, um, is perfect for, you know, the, the, um, visual of a prism and the way that it, you know, shines the rainbow of colors on to whatever surface, you know? Well, I just have to say, for those of you that have insomnia, check it out. I think it'll put you to sleep. It's very, very relaxing, and the colors are incredible. So It's entrancing, it's mesmerizing, it's all of the above. Absolutely. So anyways... What are we going to talk about tonight? Well, you know, we thought about this. First off, we were thinking of... Um, we thought that we would have time to get around to put out another podcast um, before this time. Uh, sorry that didn't happen, but we are committing to the once a week um, and when we're able more than once a week. It's just going to kind of depend on our schedules. Um, my mom is working a full-time job. I'm not working a full-time job at the current moment, but in the next couple of months as uh, I get better with PT, I'm going to be looking for a job and working a job. So it's going to take a little bit of massaging. I think we're fine with committing to once a week. I think that's totally doable. And then on some weeks, we definitely, in our heart, we would like to do it twice a week. But in reality, we're going to just have to, you know, we don't want to overcommit and tell you more um, uh, higher frequency than what we're able to commit to. So let's just say once, once a week and when we're able to more than once a week. Okay, I'll settle for that. I'd love to do it every day. And I I was saying, hey, let's do it two times. Maybe we could do three. And Zach goes, be realistic here. And I had to stop and think, you're right. You know what? Once a week, 
If we do more than that, then all the better. But uh, as we progress forward, that could all change someday. Yep. But for and the time being, right, this is this is the way that we decided we probably need to be reasonable and shoot for two, but if we and make sure we do at least one. And that's where, you know, passion can passion can sometimes get in the way in uh not a bad way, just in the in the sense that, you know, um we what we don't want to do is overcommit to our fans. Um, and then for them to be burnt, being like, oh God, you know, I was looking forward to another podcast. You know, we don't know what you're doing when you're listening to this podcast, but in all actuality, I imagine it's probably something work-related. I mean, that's what I would use podcasts for is mostly when I'm at work. I'm just wanting to kill time while I'm doing something, you know, brainless that's, you know, a built up muscle memory to do. Um, but anyways, one other thing I want to uh, do real quick before we get started is did want to sh- do a shout out, not the full name of the individual, but... Uh, to Sue F. Um, she donated $200 to the podcast to um, help us out. And Sue, we just wanted to explain where your money's going. Um, your money actually helped pay for the first year of our hosting at rss.com for our podcast. So thank you very much for that. And also helped us um, secure our domain name, polychromatique.com, for the first year as well. So thanks. Uh, big shout out to Sue F. for that. Thank you so much. Uh, you can also check out on our website on the um, contribute or donate page, you'll see her name listed. If you want your name listed as well, please get in touch with us. We will be setting up um, at least a PayPal or Venmo or some sort of donation link here shortly. Um, but in the meantime, if you're wanting to donate sooner, just get in touch with us on the contact form and we'll get that set up. And Sue, you know, I really appreciate, just like Zach said, your donation because it was so from the heart. And it's like you wanted to encourage us and we had that really great discussion with you um, about it. And immediately you said, Hey, how can I help? And just, it, it meant so much to Zach and I, and you really touched us deeply. And I, I'm with Zach. Thanks so much because you know, that really not only encouraged us because we we're already excited, but it gave us that extra push to really get going. So hats off to you, Sue. Yep. Thanks so much for believing in us and being our friend. And, uh, you know, we look forward to putting out podcasts. We hope that this can become part of your everyday enjoyment. Um, and certainly you deserve uh, the enjoyment, given the fact you help contribute. But you all are deserving to listen to this podcast. But we really appreciate when people do contribute because we're putting our heart and soul into this. And, you know, we did upfront, you know, throw together $2,500 for our equipment. So in no short amount of money. But I do think that, uh, as we've been told from the people that have listened to us, right, Mom? Uh, all the people that have listened said it sounds really great. The only thing we're trying to uh, remain uh, to hammer down is um, we might have my cousin come by in the next couple of weeks for dinner, and he uh, actually went to school for sound design so and sound engineering. Um, you know, He went to Full Sail in Florida. I can't remember how many years back. He actually does web development and other stuff now, but... Um, at any rate, uh, you know, he, uh, I asked him just in, you know, spur of the moment, um, if he could help out and he was more than willing, he even provided some feedback that we implemented to this podcast. Um, so this will be another data point for him until, you know, and various other data points until he comes over for some chicken and dumplings. We love you, Jay. Yeah, we love you, Jeremy. We love you, man. You're awesome. You and Cam, we really love you guys. And uh, we look forward to seeing, um, the other cousins too. Absolutely. 
All right. So uh, without further ado, and I hate saying that it's so overdone on YouTube and everywhere else. Let's <laughs> let's not even say that. OK, I'm so sick of the without further ado thing. Um, so anyways, uh, we're going to start off with a podcast today. And the topic is, well, the overarching theme. And we can branch out some from just focusing on energy specifically, but it's the rising process, rising prices of um, of everyday living. Um, you know, the, what we're making the primary focus on tonight is going to be um, specifically energy bills um, as they've been, you know, affected by whether or not they're affected by Ukraine or whatever. But as they've been affected in the past, I don't know, four or five months as we've noticed it. Um, so that's going to be the primary focus. But we will also let things kind of be loose enough that we can go off to the side and talk about other um, rising costs of things and just in our opinion, in my opinion, my, you know, my sole opinion, at least, and I don't think it's far off from my mom is this is, pardon my French, freaking ridiculous. And you know, another word that starts with an F. Um, this is ridiculous level of, this is level of, of exploitation going on um, with energy prices. And to the point that, you know, everyday people, um, and, you know, for us, <laughs> you know, we're not um, at the bottom by any means, but for if you're middle class or lower class, I mean, how the hell are you supposed to eat or eat, um, you know, pay, pay energy bills, eat, you know, afford uh, car insurance, you know, gas for your car, all these, all these different kinds of things. You know, how are people supposed to come up with an extra on average thousand to, you know, two thousand dollars a month? That's what that's what I feel like. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I think it's easily everything's about five hundred to thousand dollars more a month. Oh, you are not exaggerating. As a matter of fact, I really, truly believe we had a gas leak because it was that so. shocking. Yeah. I mean, then I started talking to my coworkers and Zach started talking to people and we just see so many people so angry. Yeah. And because it's monopoly. It and is monopoly. We need to heat our homes. And we need to stay warm. And God bless the homeless people. I don't want to leave that out because every day my heart goes out to them. I don't know how they're doing it with this weather. And it's just a really sad thing. That's whole, totally a different topic. You know, I do want to comment on that in a second. Okay. I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, when I just mentioned we need heat, immediately my mind went to the homeless. And that is near and dear to my heart because I totally feel so sad for them. And I know people are dying out there and it really bothers me. So I don't want to make it feel like that I'm entitled because I need heat. But truth of the matter is, if I were out there, I would not survive one night. And I can guarantee you that because I don't take the cold well. So I cannot imagine. And God bless them is all I've got to say. Yeah. On that topic, um, at least here in Denver, I think it was four or five years ago. Denver police were taking away people's sleeping bags oh my gosh. during the middle of a really bad cold snap. And uh, the ACLU got involved when they found out about this human rights violation, as it should be a human rights violation. So basically, we are, you already know that homelessness, and this is not the topic of the episode, but I did want to kind of go off on the tangent here just for a second. Um, homelessness in this country is becoming increasingly illegal, becoming illegal to be homeless. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's, and, and so, you know, it's a crime to be homeless. And, and so the bottom line is they took away these people's sleeping bags and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see why literally you take away the sleeping bags, 
you they hope they die. Problem solved, right? Your homeless problem of you know homeless people coming up to people and asking for money or whatever, you know, and it may not even be that. I think police sometimes just are on such a much on such a power trip that they go to the point of just doing those kinds of things, even when the public is not complaining about a homeless person. How do we look and value people in general? I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. Why do we have, because as from the first broadcast, and I'm going to probably say this a lot, the labeling we have of people, automatically believing that people are homeless or lazy, that is ridiculous. Do you know how many people lost their homes and businesses during covid Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, there are reasons why people may have lost their homes. And and a lot of times it is not out of sheer laziness. So, you know, that is just all I want to say about the labeling aspect of that. It's like we sort of in our society, I gather that we think of things one way. And sometimes we don't have that compassion and empathy that I feel as humans is necessary to live in this world. And we automatically come to these conclusions that are really pretty ridiculous. Yeah. You know what? I think the reason why any of us are upset at homeless people or feel weird around homeless people is just the vulnerability aspect. I think all of us really subconsciously know that we're one paycheck, one illness away from being homeless. And to have to show vulnerability with someone on the corner there. Mm, good point. You know what I mean? That's what I think of. And so I've always told myself, you know, up until my most recent issues with health, um, I've told myself, you know, even if I work a job that I don't like, you know, or I do like, but I have the stresses of it and it's like, oh God, you know, and I think we all have that kind of, it's very much the human condition, you know, to here we have a job that, you know, is paying the bills and stuff, but you're kind of like, just like, oh man, I wish I didn't have to work, et cetera. But then you remind yourself by working a job, I'm preventing that from happening. Well, it's, and it's being really... Very thankful. Yes, and thankful. It comes from a place of thanks and gratitude. Right. You're thanks right. Thanks of like thinking, gosh, so I'll come home tired, but thank yeah. goodness I have a job because I can earn an income, which gives me a warm place to sleep, yes, which exactly. gives me hot food on the table. And that's not for everyone. And like Zach just said, I always think of that too. Hey, you know, there's nothing that keeps a lot of people from becoming homeless. I mean, we, it's, I've known people that have lost everything. Yeah, that's um, non selective. Yes. So just bearing that in mind, because we feel very, very passionate about that. And uh, so I just, you know, I know we went on a a bit of a tangent, but I think it's important to talk about that because, you know, some of these topics we don't talk about. And like, I I love what you said there, Zach, maybe because it makes us feel more vulnerable. And maybe when we see that, it makes us think, oh, my God, what if that were to happen to me? And that's, yeah. that is quite possible with some people because none of us can really predict what can happen in the future. And we both are very aware of that. Well, I appreciate that you went there first because I think it would be um, a miss for us to be talking about how other people are affected, how we're people, how we're, how other people are affected and we're affected by this without first talking about, you know, unspoken elephant in the room, which is, you know, what about the homeless population? So I think it's important that we at least acknowledge that first. So thank you for doing that. I think that was a really important part uh, that you brought out there. So what we found is in the past, pretty much for us, October was the last regular month for a bill for us. 
the last regular bill. What's a regular bill? I would say it's anywhere from as little as maybe 110 to as high as maybe about 270. Um, and at times, even when I had additional roommates living here, I think the highest it ever got was 450 bucks, but that was with like five people. And it was in the middle of a really bad winter, um, in 2015 or yeah, or sorry, 2014 rather. And so, but for, you know, with two people, it shouldn't be that much. And I mean, I'm not even showering, <laughs> sorry to say this. I'm not even showering every day. Um, you know, so I can't explain this, but Basically, in November, November was very cold, right? November and I believe December. And did December. we have that cold snap in December? We was did. that when we had I think that? So. Really? No, November was the one because you remember how um, we had to go to Scott's place to to feed his cat. That was oh, in December. Oh yes, I do. Uh huh. And then November also was pretty cold. Yeah, it's been unusually cold for Colorado. And I remember when they actually, and I really appreciated when they were predicting possibly as low as minus 55 degrees, they actually were looking for places to put the homeless. And I was thinking, wow, does it really have to get that bad? But anyway, we're not going to go back there. But I'm just saying they did consider that during that time. And I give people credit for realizing that during that time, there would be a lot of people dying. There would just be probably people all over that had that had died from the cold. It was It was that cold. So yes, during, in answer to what you just asked, November, December, and January was cold too. Come on, hey, I think it's it's been very, very cold from November November onward, uh-huh. um, and to the point where honestly, I've gotten in the car and just shivered so much I can't stop shaking afterwards. That's how cold it's been to me, anyway. Okay, so what we have is for our bill in November for electricity was seventy twelve, and gas was one hundred forty five fifty three. So all said and together, all said together, and <clears throat> this would have been um, October. Hold on, sorry, October for September. Oh yeah, because they because they bill behind, you right? the from the month before. Yeah. correct. So that would have been for um, September, and then October was 148, so double on electricity, and 305, more than double on gas. Okay. And then December rolls around, and then for electricity, we're at 239. So that is 70, 140, 210. We're already at three times the amount for electricity. And gas is now at 252, which is not quite double. But the reason why the electricity went up a ton is because we started using space heaters because, believe it or not, electricity is cheaper per kilowatt hour than it is for gas per therm. And so we thought that we were getting ahead, but ultimately we ended up paying more because the collective of those two, the the summation of those two came up to just shy of $500. Now we get into January. Okay, so this is a month where things were not as cold. Um, So we did not do what we did with electricity. So we only spent $92. So in comparison's sake, that's somewhere in the middle, but on the low end. Um, And then gas was $316, the most that we ever spent. But we didn't even turn up our thermostat. We didn't. And like I said, I've not been taking showers every day. Uh, We've not been using hot water that much for the dishes or anything like that. There's absolutely no way to explain away the fact that our bill was $316.19 for the gas portion. And so, you know... um, uh, I have some other things to say, 
Um, but I'll give my mom an opportunity to, to say whatever her piece is before I go to go into the breakdown of um, doing the math on what this all meant for us. I'd like you to get into the nitty gritty of this because we actually sat down together and listen to each charge. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at your bill, there's several charges. And although it doesn't look like that much, it adds up. Like you have $4 here, $2 there. And they've got all these charges and we're going, what is this one? Well, what is that one? So we thought that we would include you in this after we broke down the charges to define what each one is. So you've got the information before you, Zach, if you want to kind of to give us a nitty gritty of what the breakdown is, that would be helpful. Yes. So basically what we're looking at is I already went over, um, basically it was $70 in October for September. So what was the breakdown? Um, basically we start off at 70. So the lowest was 70, uh, dot one, two. So $70 and 12 cents. And the highest it was for electricity was 239.68. For the most part, electricity remains pretty stable on price and pretty stable on usage. And it's not surprising the month that we use the space heaters that it was as high as it was. The real topic here is gas, but we're going to include both just for the sake of realizing what it all means. Um, and then for gas, the lowest we have would have been in um, October for, yeah, sorry, October for September. It was $145.53 on the low end, and it got as high as this past month, which was not even the coldest month in uh, January. Um, or I guess maybe it was for December. I don't know. It was $316.19. So let me do the breakdown. So every month from September, October, November, December, January, five months, the price on average when I've done the calculations on the two most expensive line items and, you know, negating the other ones because they're just a few cents or not, a fractions of cents. Um, we're looking at, uh, my computer just fell asleep. Here we go. A dollar ten. Um, in December, for some reason, and we must have gotten some sort of tax, uh, some sort of, uh, not tax break, some sort of um, usage break because it was as cheap as 76 cents per kilowatt hour. Or, Per, per kilowatt hour. And again, this is an approximation. It's probably higher because I didn't include absolutely every single one. I didn't want to do that kind of math, but the two most expensive line items on each section. So we had 76 cents was the lowest for electricity per kilowatt hour up to $1.10 per kilowatt hour. For comparison's sake, gas, okay, get ready for this. Gas was as little as $1.15 and this last month, $1.64. Oh my gosh. So in addition, around November, they basically doubled the cost of gas already. Um, I was talking on the phone with the person at Excel, and it went from, I believe it was 50, 49 cents a kilowatt, I'm sorry, 40, 45, 49 cents per therm to 91 cents a therm. And then the other one was the... Uh, um, kilowatt hour one also was from like, I think, I believe it was 19 cents to 33 cents or something, but not nearly as much of a jump. And then it went beyond that. It's increased beyond the 91 cents. Um, but the thing that miffs me the most, the part that gets me the most upset is not just shelling out 500 over like 400, anywhere from 400 to $500 a month for two people to heat a house that we are not even using. We're not even keeping the heat on. We're, we're under our sheets most of the time. Um, 
you know, we're not when our thermostat stays pretty much anywhere between 69 and 72, 73 degrees. Um, and so we have it on very conservative settings by all accounts. We could turn it down a degree or two, but I don't think we should um, sacrifice our comfort. Um, gosh, I went off on a whole bunch of things. Let me think of what else I was going to say about this. Well, let me just say, Zach, um, my understanding just overall, I just want to throw this in while you're pausing for a moment. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that when you called, the first thing they told you is that, oh, gas prices have gone up. Yes. But then as we're listening to this video of each cost that we're going through, they're talking about they have to make up for 2021 because they didn't charge us enough. Yeah. So hold that thought. I remember what I was going to say real quick and we'll go to that. Mm-hmm. What I was miffed about is when I talked to the Excel representative, they explained about the tier pricing. So quarter one. January, February, March, those first three months, Q1, April, May, June, Q2, July, August, September, Q3, um, October, November, December, Q4. Throughout the year, they have a tiered system where throughout the year, the price will increase per quarter. And then once you get to first quarter, when the year rounds out and you get to the next quarter, which is then resorts from, it's the transition from Q4 to Q1. You should be going from the highest rate you pay per year to the lowest rate you'll pay per year. Guess what, though? This year, when we transitioned from Q4 to Q1, the gas went up an additional two cents. It did <laughs> not go down, actually. So that means Q started Q1 is now the highest. And then when we get to Q4 at the end of this year, it's going to be even higher. You know, what's crazy, too, is that I was looking over Excel Energy's website. And they said, there are ways that you can improve. So much BS. You can improve your bills. Well, you know, when you talk about not having enough money to to really pay for the bills with including everything else that's gone up with groceries and just everyday living expenses, they're telling you, you should put insulation in your house. You should redo your windows. It's like, I'm thinking, wait a second, how is that helpful for people? And I'm talking about people like maybe more elderly people, people who are unable to work. Mm-hmm. How do they afford this? And then, yeah, they're going to be able to go out there and get a window company to come in and put new windows in their house. That is ludicrous. Well, I agree, but here's the worst part. Let's say you do all that stuff, okay? Let's huh. say that you get the most energy-efficient windows. Let's say that you spend $75,000, okay? And that's probably not, not, not that much for winterizing a home, okay? But let's say that you somehow take your nest egg, your entire savings account, and if you have 75 grand, you're doing pretty well, by the way, in today's world. But let's say you've got 75 grand and you invested on double pane windows or triple pane windows. You invested in all new insulation. You invested on, you know, uh, you know, we have an old boiler system. Uh, let's say that there's something more efficient than that, um, which by the way, boilers are not that inefficient, I don't think. But, um, you know, with whatever the best, you know, heating situation is, um, and you, and you, you know, do all your new appliances and blah, 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 blah. Right. So you do like a huge energy audit and you do all that stuff. Well, guess what? What's going to happen when the bill's still high and they say they still make that same recommendation. Oh, have you considered, you know, all the energy efficient things you can do? Well, what if you've done all those and you can still not pay the bill? What does that mean? kind of speechless. I think I would be extremely depressed and upset. I'd be pissed. Because 
you spent all your savings thinking that in mm-hmm. the long run, you'd be able to recoup it from the savings in your bills. Yeah. And then you're really stuck because you spent your savings on trying to update your home to make it more energy efficient. And in fact, now you're really stuck, right? Yeah. If anything, I think there's very little incentive for those programs. And we can talk about how there's a line item specifically for the fact that everyone's helping pay for other people to have those some of some of the subsidies that Excel does give out to supposedly, you know, help pay for some of this stuff. Um, but I was going to say, from my point of view, there's very little incentive for people to do it. I'd say, if anything, and I'm not, I don't work for a, a solar company or anything like that. I think the the one number one thing that, um, mind you, you can't, it's really a problem if there's hail. If you live in an area with hail, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how that works for insuring them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But having solar panels, you can actually save quite considerable amount of money. With that, I just th- think it just depends on what your usage is. If you're a person that doesn't use very much, um, you could potentially almost work exclusively off of your own solar pan- uh, solar energy. Well, in Colorado, especially because of all the sunshine we usually have, mm-hmm. although it's been pretty gray the last couple months, but for the most part, we do get a lot of sunshine. So it would be, I think it would work really well yeah. in Colorado. Believe it or not, I didn't tell you this, but... Back in 2016, I had a door-to-door canvasser that knocked on the door and actually listened to her spiel. She was with a solar company and she said, would you like a free estimate? So sure. So they did as they, you know, got up on the roof and they measured. Um, Actually, they didn't even have to get up on the roof. I think they actually, actually, uh, I'm wrong about that. They took um, a picture from, you know, Google Images and were able to figure out which side gets the most solar light and to know which sides would have the panels to you know, figure out what they'd be. And they said, I believe that uh, the out-of-pocket cost would be $20,000, but the government would pay back like $10,000 over the course. I think the, uh, sorry, uh, $13,000 over the course of the repayment plan. So you'd only end up paying $7,000 all said and done, but it would be over the course of like 10 years. But in that same 10-year plan, think of all that, all the electricity that you save. Uh, the biggest problem by far with solar, though, in general with any renewable uh, energy is the problem is during off hours. How do you, you know, in the, in the simple answers, there's two options. One is you can just use your solar panels, solar panels to essentially push energy back into the grid, in which case, you know how our meter goes one direction, it'll actually turn it the other direction. Mm. And so we'll get credits for that, and that helps offset it. Or for people that you know, want to specifically use the energy, generate the energy, and then use the energy, you have to have batteries, and batteries go bad and stuff. So there's a, it's a little bit more complicated than just simply getting solar panels. But I just wanted to uh, throw that out there. Well, no, I actually think that's really important because that might be something for us to educate ourselves about because uh, we could get more information and even share it with our listeners about solar. I'm thinking if you live in a place where you don't get a lot of sun, that wouldn't work mm-hmm. as well. But certainly for people in this area and uh, places where you get a lot of sunshine, maybe that's a thought. Because, you know, we, we want to talk about these topics, about a problem, but we also want to try about to figure a out a solution yeah. or something that can be beneficial for everyone. Or ask you guys for a solution. We may not always have the answer. That's right. So, you know, since you mentioned that, Zach, that's something that we should really look into. Yeah, yeah. It's probably not worth the, uh, 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 sorry, uh, probably uh, wouldn't hurt. It would be worth looking into as well. Absolutely. Trying to say. So are we back to breaking down this bill? Yeah. So there's one thing that we should mention before all this. Okay, so first off, 
gas prices are at all-time highs, right? Yes. So first, towards Q3, Q4 of last year, they're doubling the gas bill. And then they're adding to the gas bill. Like I said, Q4, Q1 is supposed to be less than Q4. It's actually higher than Q4. What does that mean? Okay. That means exploitation. There's no other way of saying it. We currently live in a state where there is only one energy provider. It's Excel Energy. So we don't have a choice. And as a matter of fact, I remember back in 2011, Boulder, they were wanting to municipalize the Boulder power plant. Excel didn't make didn't allow it to happen. Why? Because believe it or not, the Colorado board that runs all this, they're basically in Excel's pocket. There's so much lobbying goes goes on and whatnot. They basically, and, and we will be talking about this about uh, the lawyers and stuff. Like they all they all that Excel has to do to increase their rates is just to ask for it. And they always let the bills go through. There's basically very little resistance, but now we're hearing that there's actually is some resistance, fortunately, because it's starting to get to the level of pure exploitation. Which we will work in towards the end of the podcast because we found out some information, new information that just came through yesterday, which we're going to share with you. But I think just breaking down this bill and just how ridiculous it's like, I'm thinking, really, they charge you for that instead of just having, you know, I mean, I used to think that you're charged this much electricity and this much gas. But I learned that when we broke this down, there's a lot of things with gas that you have to pay for. Yes, and for electricity too. But um, so get this. Excel's utility monopoly in Boulder County in 2021. The CEO made $16 million during this time where the Excel can't pay for everything because of the gas prices and whatnot. The CEO is making a record $16 million. $16 million and people are struggling to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. And this is the biggest problem with capitalism in a nutshell, pretty much is what happens mm -hmm. is, so the question is who's paying for the CEO ultimately? Well, I think, I think we know the answer to that question. Yeah. Would you like to answer it? All of us. Yes, exactly. Because here's the problem with capitalism. Okay. Capitalism does what we like to call public trading. Okay, we public, publicly trade a company. The biggest problem with public trading is it's not always in the public's interest what public trading does. What public trading basically does is it says, hey, if you want to invest in our business, we'll like basically, you know, increase your value of your money. That's, and so, the, you know, they have earnings calls and all these different kinds of things for investors. And so what we basically do is we pay Excel all this money, right? And so what happens is all this money goes to the CEO, all this money goes to the investors. What's left in the coffers, nothing. It's the same thing that happened with Boeing. It's the same thing that happens with these huge billion dollar companies is all of a sudden they have one bad month or two bad months and they're looking at going broke. So what do they do? They knock on Congress's door and say, we're going to let go, uh, you know, 45,000 people from our company right. and they're all going to go on to welfare. So you better pay us money. And what does the government do? We do mm -hmm. it. It adds to the deficit. So the problem is that's not without consequences for our, our overall national, you know, GDP, et cetera. Um, the fact that we're, you know, going more and more into debt. Um, but anyways, what I was just trying to say is the fact that this, that we're paying the CEO all this money during a downturn, what a company needs to do is they need to reverse, do a complete 180, realize that this is not a, a, a quarter or a, a yearly fiscal situation where they should be paying out anything. 
They're at a loss. They should not be paying their CEO records amounts, and they should not be paying out to their people record amounts. And so, if they're wanting to knock on the um, you know regulars' door for our um, um, our energy, you know, in Colorado, they need to not be asking for anything if they have the money. I think it's just absolutely ridiculous that the CEO makes sixteen million dollars a year. Yep. That should actually for what. what yeah, for what? Not only that, shouldn't that his income go down some, especially if they're really struggling? Mm-hmm. I mean, why does he make that much consistent money? That doesn't reflect what's actually happening. I, two and two don't go together. Yeah. And so, you know, and this is this is the kind of um, uh, cognitive dissonance, the kind of desynchronization between reality and what you sometimes see in uh, companies and their behavior and their actions. So let me tell you the next one. This one's an, another doozy. Each Excel Energy appointed Colorado Energy Commission board member makes around on average $300,000 a year to lobby. What's involved in doing that job? I think I'll apply. So to lobby, you're basically attending all of the board meetings, all of the different um, meetings that the Colorado Energy Commission Board puts on to uh, basically uh, put out the voice of Excel Energy's interest, to further Excel Excel Energy's interest in these meetings. So you're advertising. You're all working together to come up with the basis for the charges or well let's just give an example during this downtime most recently excel has been asking for an additional amount of money they can charge for gas to consumers even I, though it's a record high even though they've already more than doubled it as a matter of fact as per the line item you're talking about in february 2021 where there was a huge cold snap in texas and just overall in the midwest that affected so many people they're making the consumers pay for all those mistakes. So when, let me give you an example. In Texas, they know that the equipment that they equipped down there to handle the power distribution was not set up for anything colder than a certain temperature. It was not standardized. They were not using the correct infrastructure. Rather than Excel being following the books, doing things by the books, and installing the right type of... um, Oh God, what are they called? Well, they're basically capacitors. Um, you know, uh, they needed to make sure that they were uh, oil cooled and that they had insulation. They didn't have insulation because in Texas, it's normally really hot. The problem is if there's a cold snap, that kills the grid. So that killed the grid down there. It also hurt the grid here. And so now Excel's saying all the consumers over the course of what, the next two or three, four years have to pay back, I think it's $10 a month on average for all this. For $10 their to $12, they said... In one case till 2024, and there was another... 25 was the other one. The other one was 2025. So, um, you know, this is a really big problem here because what we basically do is we have a company, a corporation that's not working in the public interest, and they don't want, um, you know, uh, cities to municipalize because, uh, you know, City of Boulder was very interested in municipalizing. Well, they tore that down. The commission also tore it down, which the reason why they tore it down is because they're right in their pocket. Um, But what we've heard most recently, we don't know too much of the details, but you were reading about it, is basically finally there is 
some level of this actually going to, um, in legal terms, um, uh, being reviewed, right? Yes, I was just reading that yesterday they're actually thinking of promoting some type of legislation that limits the increase of what they can do, which really makes me think what they've been doing is not above board, which uh, common sense kind of tells you that, right? Yeah. So basically, yes. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, they came up with this uh, bunch of people got together. Uh, attorneys were hired to investigate this. And uh, the thing that, again, the thing that was shocking, I don't know why I get shocked anymore because. Oh, God. The it, world. It, the world, right? Yeah, in general. But guess who paid for these attorneys? Who? We did, even though to investigate them, we we had to come up. The consumers are paying over $2 million for these attorneys to investigate this. Okay, here's the explicit part. What the fuck? Seriously, what the fuck? I mean, you see, here's the thing is I feel like all consumers are getting hit exactly with that absolute everything. We're paying all the taxes. We're paying for every single thing, but we're not only paying for every single thing. We're paying for every other thing, too. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'm just reading here from the Denver Gazette, and it just says, Excel officials said they've been working to keep customer bills low. In oh, part, really? Working? What kind of work? They by, must be asleep. <laughs> by purchasing and storing natural gas when it's less expensive. Well, then how come we're paying back for 2021, okay? Yeah, yeah. The company also contracts for natural gas in advance of winter to lock in prices. According to Excel, its investments in wind and solar saved Colorado customers about $700 million in fuel costs between 2017 and 2022, and we're paying for that now. Yeah. Well, did, did we also want to mention there's a line item that we're paying for all that infrastructure as well? All of, these, all of the wind and solar? Oh, Absolutely. There's actually a line item right on yeah, our bill. So exactly. we're paying for that. We're, we're oh. paying for it, but they're saving us the money. Mm-hmm. They, they, the way that this is worded, they have saved Colorado customers yeah. about $700 million in fuel, in fuel costs between 2017 and 2022. You know what I wish they would do is actually write on the bill what that exact savings is rather than just blow huge figures in front of our face and, and try to impress us? Oh, the one thing we didn't mention. I love this. Because we were talking earlier about getting windows and getting like yeah. new appliances, new siding, and new and insulation, new and attic. Listen to this. The company encouraged customers to explore ways to conserve energy and lower their bills by finding energy saving tips at excelenergy.com slash tips. Just like the tips that we're tipping people and we can't afford to tip anymore. They're they're providing tips to us, but they're not actual monetary tips. They're 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 what? They're they're ideas. Well, then it says to learn more about energy efficient programs and options and rebates. Have you looked at the rebates? They're laughable. Yeah, the rebates are like, they'll give you a few bulbs for free or something like that. Yeah, they'll give you some, they'll give you uh, energy saving light bulbs for much less than you can buy them in the stores. Even though we're paying for it in our bill. Even though we're paying for it in our bill. You know, it's just, it's, it's like we keep paying for things and it comes back, but like, don't you see how that snowballs in their favor? Yep. So if you're okay, I'm going to move on to the, the next point with this. Go for it. Um, 
All right. So during the gas shortages and crisis due to the U- to, due to the Ukraine, um, uh, I don't want to call it incident. The Ukraine, what, what do you call it? Um, I would say that the Ukrainian the war, war, the war on yes. Ukraine in 2022, Excel made record profits of $68 billion. Now, wait a second. How did they make record profits during a war with Ukraine? Well, that's the question. Probably because they increased the price of the gas before the actual price of gas went up. Do you know what I'm saying? You think? I think so. Or... What I'm taking that as as that is that we're paying more, and they say they're paying more, but I think they're paying, they're double charging us of what I th- it costs I th- them. I think so too. I think they they preemptively increased the price before they actually needed to. Number one and number two, as you already probably are aware, um, the reason why uh, we're affected with the cost of gas is kind of indirectly. What happened is because of the war on Ukraine, um, for two reasons. One is because of the United Nations is going to cut off any kind of um, export situation for Russia. So that way their their economy screwed in their current situation. These are the, um, God, what do they call them? Uh, the sanctions. Uh, because of the sanctions, they're preventing the um, shipping of fuel out of Russia. It turns out Russia is, I think they supply about a third of the world's um, gas energy. Like that's the only thing that the main export, the only major export that actually um, affects, you know, the gross, the GDP or the gross domestic product of Russia with exports. And so what happened is because of these sanctions, uh, the European Union uh, is not using any of that fuel. Obviously, it's not being exported elsewhere. So, what does that mean? That means there's now a shortage in Europe, and so I don't. And so, in order to fill those, you know, obviously they have to come from other places, like either the Middle East or from the United States. I don't know if Europe does actually any sort of um, drilling or not, but the reality is that led to a shortage. And of course, there's a thing called supply and demand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of my understanding of how of how this has all worked as far as the Ukraine war's effect on the cost of both gasoline and natural gas. Um, but um, so re- record profits of $68 billion and yet presented to the Colorado Energy Commission board that they need to charge customers even more to defray their costs. I'll say important note, every customer is responsible for paying every aspect, including handling of the overhead cost of paying the CEO. And that's not paid out by their profits. Again, they're a publicly traded company, all their profits go to their stakeholders. So you'd think the profits that they would make would first go to the CEO and whatever's left over would go to the stakeholders. Nope, that's not the way it works. It all goes to the stakeholders and then we have to pay for the CEO and we have to pay for the lawyers for any public situation too. You know, I'm right right on Excel Energy's website right now Yeah, and they have what's called a PIP. It stands for Percentage of Income Payment Program. What the hell does that mean? It means this. 
Through these programs, Excel Energy offers a percentage of income payment program that ensures customers or consumers are not spending more than 6% of their monthly income on electric and natural gas bills. Where's that? Because I don't think that's anywhere near where we're at. Okay, hang, hold on for a minute. Okay, all right. The income threshold for eligibility for the program sits at 185% of the federal poverty level. What is that, by the way? Do you know? They broke it down or okay. 60% of the state median income. So in Colorado, they give an example. Okay. The state median income is $100,760 for a four-member household, making that family qualified for benefits at 60456 So is that income. four working people? It doesn't matter. Just four people in a household. Yeah. Okay. So basically they're saying if four people- Were earning $25,000. Or in other words, or, think if you have kids, okay? Yeah. But nonetheless- Okay. If you make less than $60,000, yeah. then you can get help. So how can a family live, family of four yeah. right now with- Live off 100000 No, 60000 Oh, 60000 They'll help you if you make less than $60,000. Um, I don't think that's possible. I mean, unless you're, I mean, because here's the thing. What is the, let's just say that that four, four individual, four family, uh, four person family, was making, um, sorry, that their rent alone, let's just say, was two thousand dollars, and that's that's very very generous. That's meaning they're paying for a one bedroom, one bath, one bathroom place. Okay, for four people, probably not logistically possible, but let's say that's what they're doing. Let's just say that's going to be about twenty two hundred dollars. Okay, probably, right, probably anywhere from twenty two to twenty five hundred dollars minimum, minimum. So how much are they paying just on rent alone in here? Okay, so. I went to a graph here. That's for four people. In Colorado, 60% for one person, you have to make less than 31000 a year to get help. <laughs> for two people, you have to make less than 41000 a year to get help. Now, come on. Right. And you want to hear the funny part? This program you're talking about, where does the money come from this program? It comes from everyone that pays. Exactly. That's 75 cents that's added on to the end of the bill, yep. which I really found this hilarious because this guy from XL Energy is talking about the bill, breaking things down, which I don't know. Maybe we're not going to get to. I thought maybe we would, but that's okay if we don't. It's probably not that important what each detail of every little broken part of the bill is. But regardless, I... It was hysterical at the end where he said, both for electric and gas, the 75 cents at the end of the bill, you can refuse to pay. Yes. You and have to opt out. You know, automatically signed up for it. You don't even never told that you can opt out of it. But if you if you complain about your bill enough, apparently they tell you about so it. So we can save a dollar fifty a month mm -hmm. because that goes towards helping other people. So we can deduct $1.50. Isn't that amazing? That's going to just be such a saver for us. Oh, God, you know, I think I can buy an extra gumball or two. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so what they have down here for poverty is ridiculous because what they're talking about mm -hmm. as far as annual incomes is so absolutely ridiculous because people that have those type of incomes of, of earning so little... Yeah, you know the biggest problem with the government, the biggest injustice with the government. They have not updated the poverty level guidelines in so many years. 
They when do you think they? When do you think they? The last time they? Did I don't it? know. I'd be 1960s curious. Sixties, maybe. Probably because here's the thing: poverty level has always been, I think, around thirteen to fifteen grand, sixteen grand. Hasn't changed that much with the standard of living. I think what the poverty level now would be, if I'm thinking, should be closer to probably like thirty-five, forty thousand. I feel like anything below, like let's just agree, anything less than twenty-five thousand. Do you mean I think. per person? No, just, just, just. Again, per per family, the, I don't know how it's broken down, but I'm just saying there's the figure. Let's just not go into the technics of that because I don't want to talk about that. Just know that yes, you, sir. You, usually the way it works with the poverty level is it does mean the entire family. So in other words, if you family, if the whole family makes less than $15,000, that's poverty level, you get the benefits. $15,000? Where'd you get that from? You, you how just, in the, just look it up. It's, how in the hell can a family afford to survive on $15,000? So is that... If you, if you make $15,000 or less... You can um, all, right. all be on Med- Medicaid. You can get the the uh, stamp program. What is it called? Where you go to the grocery store, et cetera. Food I, stamps. I, yeah, food stamps. I'm not making it up. Just look at poverty level. I'm doing it right for now. For Colorado. I'm looking it up. At most, it's probably 17 grand. Has not gone up with the standard of living, you know, doubling, tripling, quadrupling from where it was. There's no way people, I mean, people would be homeless I know. doing that. I know. Well, that's the way it is. They're not, the bottom line is you're missing the point of what I'm just trying to say. I know it's so shocking, but- the reality is, you are so right. What? Oh my gosh! The latest five-year figures from 2016 to 2020 American Community Survey reveals 9.8 percent of Coloradoans earned incomes below the federal poverty line of 12,760 yeah. for yes. a 12, single person. For so, a single person. So the problem with these poverty level figures is when the government refuses to come back around, right? And every so many couple of years, at least I think it needs to be done yearly, if not a couple times a year. But these have not been updated in decades. The same thing is true. Uh, I'm not getting into too many details about this, but imagine now, let's just wait 20 or 30 years from now, okay? Imagine if you steal groceries, okay? Because Mm -hmm. you can't pay for them, okay? Because we're going to probably eventually get to that point. Um, All of us will. But imagine if you steal groceries right now, it'd be a misdemeanor right? But when the groceries are over $500, it becomes a felony. And a felony is nothing you can ever get off your record. So I'm not encouraging people to commit crimes. The point I'm just trying to say is felonies, $500, that that law was written 40, 50 years ago. So shouldn't the $500 be like $2,000 or $3,000 now in today's terms? Um, and obviously the same thing is true with um, minimum wage. The same thing is true with, um, well, they did some tax stuff a couple of years ago, but with the the uh, single deduction on taxes used to be $12,500. Um, forget what Trump's plan was, which is complete BS. It was totally a way uh, for, you know, uh, powers that be that are rich, Republicans alike, to ultimately in the long run get a lot more out of the middle income and lower to middle income families by giving us a break up front, but then five years later, the breaks mostly favor um, the companies, um, you know, in special interest. But the reality is there's not enough relief for us and we're getting hit with all these other bills and we're paying for everything. We're paying for all of our infrastructure and, and I hate to say this, but the rich are not paying their fair share. That is a fair statement. If everyone paid straight up 15%, I'd say, except for the people that are below poverty level, and that needs to be, you know, I think people at poverty should not pay a cent at all for taxes. That's my own personal opinion. This is quite interesting. There's so, 
when I said 1960s, this is interesting. That is when actually the federal poverty level developed was in the 1960s. So that's where the figures from the 1960s? It says is now an outdated measure. It's a blanket standard yep. applied across the country with no recognition of higher cost and lower yep. cost areas. Yep. While it factors in family size, it doesn't take into account the age of family members, which significantly influences a household expenses. Supporting an infant, for example, costs much more than a teenager. It's basically sole—pardon uh, me—it's based solely on the cost of food and assumes food comprises one third of a family's total wow. total budget, leaving the remaining two thirds for everything else. In reality, food now represents a much smaller slice of a family total expenses. Yeah, because everything else has gone up. But what's funny is now food is making a comeback on huh. how much it costs now. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think. Food is about three times more expensive than it used to be. Um, gas is about probably about twice to three times as expensive as it used to be, um, variably. And then uh, house gas is more than doubled. I think it's close to 60 to 70% above where it was the previous year. And then the year before, there were some also some other increases. This is just all coming out left field. You know, so this podcast has really been just... Um, you know, we were discussing whether or not we want to do this podcast because we want to mix it up. We're not, um, I don't think this is inherently a negative podcast, but my mom and I were talking, we were kind of a little conflicted about even doing this, but I think it's important because it affects people and we want to talk about things that affect people. Um, and obviously this doesn't just affect Colorado, it affects everyone. Um, so anyways, I just want to say the 68 billion, uh, yet presented to the Colorado Energy Commission board, then they need to charge customers even more to defray their costs. Um, important note, every customer is responsible for paying every aspect, as I was going into. The profits go to the stock and stakeholders that have invested. So again, we pay for the lawyers. We pay for everything. So that's basically guaranteed profits, um, and in this case, record profits during a downturn. T to me, you know what that is? That is beyond, uh, <laughs> that, that's reprehensible. That's beyond... Um, I don't know. I don't have I don't have a word to say for it. It's let's just put it this way. When the economy, when everything is so hard to live, they would rather pay out their stakeholders record profits and exploit their customers by charging them more when they could just not charge them more. And that would be the savings. You know, they may not may not be able to bring things down. And then the stakeholders, they can just make their normal amount. You see, the problem is we're taking, just like with healthcare or something, we're taking things into a way where these companies are making record profits during the downturn. That's not normal. And again, like I said, the problem with these companies as well is they have no way to have extra money in the coffers for when they have a downturn month. So what happens is they turn around, they go to the Congress, they go to the government, and they basically hold them hostage and say, hey, if you don't pay us this money. And then what does our government do? They print more money in the form of bonds. And then our national deficit goes higher and higher and higher. And again, why does this all happen? All this is mostly happening. And I'm sorry to oversimplify, and I'm sorry if this message really um, upsets people, but it's true. It's the reason why it might upset is because there's actually some truth to it. And people might say, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I've done my research. I've done my fair share of research is that if the rich were to pay their fair share we would have a lot more um, social um, well, wellness situations in the form of, you know, defraying the consumer's costs on a lot of different things. 
And if you, if rich people think that's not fair, well, you know what? Then we need to um, reach a time in our history where we go back to you paying your fair share because that was the time when we could go to the hospital and if we couldn't pay our doctor's bill, it wasn't like we're, you know, having to choose between, you know, paying money for the rest of our lives or et cetera. Um, just, you know, paying a, a $200 bill. It's, it's, you know, so all of these things um, are negatively affected by them not paying their fair share. You know, I'm just thinking that too, like you were saying, having a certain percentage that you pay. Just a set percentage for everyone. Doesn't matter how much you make. Depending upon makes it so much fair because, you know, when I went uh, to Europe and um, actually to, to France, um, I was on a tour a few years ago and I found out that they pay overall, which it seems a little high, but probably not really high compared to what we pay. But everyone is just charged 23% total. Yeah. Now, that is their tax. That includes their health care, wow. their deductions from, their, wow. from what they make. It's a straight 23%. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's consistent because the yeah. people that make less pay 23% on what they make. And the people that are wealthier pay 23% of what yep. they make. So it becomes much Fair, where I feel like the middle class are the ones that are constantly stuck yes, in the middle because because, of, because we're the ones paying all the all of it, and the low lower low class and the middle class are paying everything. Well, absolutely, because people that have the wealth have all these deductions, yeah, that they can claim, yeah. and because they can invest in real estate, they can do all these investments. And when you're middle class, you're so limited, so you can then save on your taxes because. You've got all this money you've invested. And and they're all tax write-offs. Yes, and they're all tax write-offs. So the taxes they pay is much less than probably what we pay for our taxes. So this and this is this country was built on capitalism. Mm -hmm. It's always been there. It's been the one percent of people that always can make it. And honestly, we need to, as a country, take a look at this because We've got some really sad things going on in this country. Yes. Like when we opened up with this broadcast and started talking about homeless people. I do believe we need to help out other people in other countries, but we're not even taking care of our people. We aren't. And we never do. You know what? We're over in Ukraine helping out them with the war over there. And it's, the problem is America, when's a time in our history that our government actually made the focus the welfare of the people. Well, I've got an answer to that. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying Democrats are perfect, but I'd say in in memory, I would say Obama with Obamacare. Which was amazing. Yeah, and before people go, oh, Obamacare shit and blah, blah, blah. You know what? I'm sorry. I don't agree with you. I agree it's expensive. Do you want to know what the difference is between paying six to $10,000 a year versus paying $300,000 a million? Do I need to explain that to you? Because well, um, I've had health issues. I can tell you firsthand what a, that that's still a better deal. I agree it should be cheaper. I agree it is not accessible to everyone, and that needs to be worked on. But I can tell you this. If the rich paid their fair share, you want to know what our premiums would look like on Obamacare? What our ax- maximum out-of-pocket deductibles would look like? It would be laughable. It would probably be you have to pay. I'm just I'm just this is complete bullshit, but I, I honestly think I'm not too far off the mark. You probably would pay maybe $50 for your premium, and you probably would have a maximum out-of-pocket of, of 1500 and your deductible would be $1,000. Oh, 
I just remember when your sweet father was alive. Yeah, yeah, I love God bless him. I miss him. I miss him too. He's such an awesome guy. Yeah. And you know what? If it wasn't for him, we would have lost the house. Because of a lot of things, and and realize he was so sick that uh, towards the end he could not move around, and he still went to work until he absolutely last moment he could, so he could make sure that he got as much retirement benefits uh, to go to my mom for the rest of her life. And if it wasn't for that, I can safely say, and and I think my mom agrees, uh, we wouldn't be able to pay on the mortgage and get the house to being paid off to where it is now. A lot of things wouldn't have been possible. No, actually, it's like so beautiful because. He's always was protective and very caring of his mm-hmm. family. And it's kind of an amazing thing. He's no longer with us. And it, and when we talk about it, it's sad, but I, I celebrate him and I celebrate our lives together with him. But the one thing that you're absolutely right about is in a way he's, he's still contributing to us. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing because that was first and foremost, he was very, very ill. He had ALS and which is a, a really, really horrific disease. And very painful to watch, but also for the person with it, extremely terrifying because you lose your ability to be able to move where you're actually paralyzed, but your mind remains sound. And it's horrific. I I don't know what I can say. It's just a, an awful thing to watch and an awful thing for a person who experiences it. But Zach's absolutely right. He would go to work and at his job, he was a supervisor and his boss was so great because he said, as long as you can drive into work, you can sit and supervise in your pickup every day. And it was awesome. I mean, to the very end, that's what he did until he could no longer walk. And um, yeah, that's just something that remains very, very close to my heart. And I'm thankful for every day. Um, but where I was going with this is that he figured out one time, and I think he's, he was a smart man. I think he was pretty close with what he said. One time he told me, do you know that we really work five months out of the year? So January, February, March, April, May is mm-hmm. all taxes. Yep. The rest of the year we have earnings. So that's almost like half the year you're working. For the government. For the government. And then you have an income. And I was going, really? When he said it that way, I said, Mm -hmm. please don't say that because that's really depressing. And he said, it's actually very true. So if you look at things that way, I don't think that the taxation and the way things are with healthcare and everything that goes into that is, is really fair, especially for middle-class people, as we were talking about. And, you know, I don't expect anything to change tomorrow. But I certainly do hope in the future that it doesn't continue down this road, that there are some breaks that we can get for for people in the middle class who mm-hmm. work. I mean, honestly, you know what? People that are middle class anymore are going to work, coming home, taking care of their children, going to bed, getting up in the morning, doing this repetitive thing. And you know what? Only to pay their bills. Yeah. I you don't hear about people saving money. It used to be years ago. Oh my gosh, in the 70s, you could actually save money. You could actually say this month we've saved this much money. I don't believe anymore that it's really possible and it's minimal 
if possible, to save that much money. So the stories I remember you telling it, and then I have something else I want to say too, was that you and father mm-hmm. were just working just very normal jobs, not, not even college educated. Yeah. Just normal jobs. Not to say you guys weren't smart, but just normal jobs. I think he worked at a grocery store and you did various odd and odds and ends like linen closet and, and other things. Mm-hmm. And collectively between the two of you, you had reached a point where you have a mortgage on the house and, and you're paying on that and various other things. But you've got enough money for groceries and odds and ends on a given week, on a given month that you get a paycheck. You both get a paycheck. And you can go, what, like maybe a couple months before putting those checks, actually depositing those checks? I'm telling you. And you we, stored them in the freezer? Actually, we did put checks in the freezer. And, and then we take them to the bank. It was just kind of a fun thing we did. But nonetheless, honestly, we lived what I would call comfortably. Yeah. We were not wealthy. And what time was that? What was the period of time? Well, I would say the 70s in general were pretty easy, Um, you know, because I'm thinking our first house we bought, I think our monthly payment was $350, and that goes to another... And the starter home was what, $41,000? Well, we bought our first house for $43,500, and it was nice. It was a nice house. It was a track home, but it was a nice house. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that also is so depressing, is that... Young people these days to yeah, be, don't even have the opportunity. You don't even hear of starter homes because there's not such a thing anymore. Yeah. Because there's no homes that can be reasonable enough for young people, even if you've gone to college to purchase. Yep. And that's a problem because honestly, it's so sad to me because you know that American dream is gone. Is gone because it used to be that it was just. It was just the way we thought about life. You know, you get married, Mm -hmm. you can buy a house, you can have children. And it's all within reach. It was all in reach. And it was reasonable. It was doable. Yeah. And I I wanted to say something real quick, if it's okay. Sure. I was going to say that that back then, I feel like people would invest in real estate, but it wasn't like abused. People would just invest some. So that mm-hmm. meant there were new homes and there are homes that are on the market where they were not all marked up. They were just, hey, it's no different than like when you go to the store and buy a toothbrush. You know, they're all different comp- types of competition and none of them are like 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. They're all like five bucks. So it's not like it's not out of reach. But now it's like all out of reach because there's so many people that are invested in real estate and a lot of these huge mega, uh, mega, um, megalomaniac um what I was trying to say. Megalomaniac. I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, there are these huge uh, corporate conglomerates that, you know, own all of this real estate. And literally, they're just increasing our cost because they're middlemen for both rents, renting for, you know, businesses and renting for us that it's making it much more difficult to own. Do you realize that when a place pays rent, a restaurant pays rent, all that cost is coming back onto us? Mm-hmm just like it is for our rent, just like it is for everything. So there are people that literally are out there that own all of this real estate that are basically doing nothing than just basic landlording. They're making up the wazoo. Like I think a Tebow in Boulder. Oh my gosh. And I think the other one's Warner Group. Those two pretty much own, I think it's like 70% of Boulder. It's very, it's really very depressing. When I lived in California, um, there was a restaurant that went down because um, they couldn't afford, they kept raising their rent. And this was in Laguna Beach. It's like one of my favorite places in the world. It's near and dear to my heart. It's really beautiful. It's like a 
just its own space. It's just got its very, very own um, population of people that is very varying. It's it's just very cool. It, it reminds me a lot of Boulder. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of different kinds of people in Boulder. It's got a Boulder vibe. Yeah, it's eclectic in many ways. But I was going to say that their rent went up and they were paying $25,000 a month. Think about that. $25,000 a month in rent. And what what did they do? It was a restaurant. Oh, a restaurant. Okay. And they and landlords That's, They have to sell a lot of food. The <laughs> no food has kid- to be pretty expensive. No kidding. And basically, I actually know a woman, I used to go to her salon and she'd been in business for years and years and I mean, she worked so hard. Her and her husband owned the place. And she worked, she didn't even have anyone working for her. She worked every single day. Wow. So it was really tight ship. Tight ship. And, you know, every year their landlord would raise their rent. Well, finally it got to the point they just couldn't afford it anymore. And what was so remarkable about it is, and I see this in Boulder too, at some of these, you know, you're talking about Tebow, especially. That's the one that stands out in my mind. You'll see where places are for rent by Tebow. So they have places vacant because they want so much money. That's the case of what happened to her is they wanted her to increase the rent. And then they wanted her to to replace the awning out in front. And she's going, I can't. I don't. I can't. I'm not even able to live anymore. And so... I'm wondering what these big businesses do anyway, because you can see these vacancies of businesses and they're sitting empty. So wouldn't you rather have someone, an income of less than what your great expectations are than to just have a space empty? I don't understand that concept. They would prefer on principle to leave it empty. And the other thing too is during this economy where where it's really hard to find um, places to live, at least in Colorado. It's very saturated. In the past five years alone, there's been an influx of 800,000 people that have moved here in the past five years. So you can do the math on that. The bottom line is there's a huge demand for places to live. So what they're doing is obviously it's increasing the cost, but then additionally, there are some um, real estate uh, investors and people, they're actually doing what I like to call sequestering. So what you're talking about, they're sequestering in the sense that they've got a place to rent. But what's worse is it's not even that they're asking market rate or fair market rate or slightly above market rate. They have this blown out thing. They say, well, it's, you know, people are wanting it so bad that they're like asking an additional, like, you know, $500,000, something that's way outside of market rate. And they're also fine with sitting on it being empty if that doesn't happen. And so that should tell you just how far things have gotten with real estate in this you know, lifetime ownership. And then they can pass it on to their kids and their kids. The problem is, I think 30, well, God, it's 40 years ago. God, time flies, right? 40 years ago, when you used to invest in real estate, it wasn't like it was saturated in investors now, like the way it is now in the way that it controls our lives. And these are middlemen that are being paid both in consumable you know, items that are sold at these places if it's a business or at home, it's, you know, it's our income. It's, but and rather than it being back the way it was where rent was, you know, I'd say 15 to 30% of our income, it's closer to 50 to 75% of our income. And then you add utilities that are getting out of control on top of that. The bottom line is something And groceries. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, go to the grocery store. And I'm sure all of you would agree. I cannot believe how much groceries 
have gone up in cost. And part of that, I understand we had COVID and I've seen a big jump from that, but it's just everything. What I wanted to say real quick before we move forward too far. That's fine. So I was just thinking about these places. You know, I was just saying these places that set empty, that they're not earning any money. They're not earning a penny for them, right? Yeah, and they're kind of proud about it even. So, you know what made me think about? What? They're not even phased by this. In other words, rather than saying, I got to get this place rented, man. This is really important. Otherwise, this is really going to be an impact on my on my income, right? Mm-hmm. Or on my on my um, many uh, rentals I have, it's going to just impact me so great because there's a lot of, of buildings that individuals, which we've given a couple names out, own many different buildings. And many of them, I've really looked, are empty. Yes. So, Zach... Honestly, that means they don't even need that money because no, it, they don't. Of course, they don't. So that just shows you how wealthy someone is that they own these buildings, but they don't even care if they're rented. It's a stupid level of wealth. To give you an idea with Tebow as well, and I'm not trying to dig into the guy. I mean, I've even seen we've watched an interview of him. He seems very down to earth, all things considered. He comes from a, a place of um, not wealth, um, but the reality is. This guy also owns 500 cars, I think it is, or it's like, I can't remember what his car collection is. He's got an entire warehouse that's air conditioned and heated just for his cars, and he never drives them. He just no, collects cars. No, as a matter of fact, he's hot. he has a fleet of guys working for him. Full-time. Full-time that take care of his cars, and they drive them ever so often to make think, sure yeah, they're not like, sitting idle. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. I'm like trying to figure, you know... I just can't wrap my head around all this because to me, okay, I have nothing personally against people that are wealthy. Please, I mm-hmm. don't, I I really don't have anything against people. But what but what's the obsession with earning more and more and more and more when you're already satisfied? And why don't you do the right thing? What if there is a family that could benefit with getting into a place and charging a little bit less? You're still ending up with the money. Exactly. And see, to me, there becomes a greediness. I know yeah. there's some wealthy people that give to charities and they really share. And, you know, so I, I'm not just putting a blanket statement out there that people that are wealthy do not share because there are some people that have done amazing oh, yeah, things. Absolutely. But, you know, um, an example, and I don't want to go too far in a distance for yeah, this, yeah. but I was just on the internet, not looking for anything. And all of a sudden I see where there's the most expensive house, I think it's in the United States, and it's $750 million. And I'm going, what? Wow. A house? Zach, that house has, <laughs> I'm trying to, I, I'm really trying Does to wrap my head around it. Does it have an airport in it or something? No, no, no. It has 29 bedrooms and 41 bathrooms. <sighs> wow, there's a lot of people so, that got to go bad for there being 41 bathrooms. It's got a bowling alley. Okay, that's kind of cool. It's got swimming yeah. pools. It's got all these, I think maybe has beauty shop. I don't know what's all in it. Bottom line is, is I'm like playfully thinking, okay, so how does that work? Do you go, I'm sleeping in bedroom number yeah. 15 tonight, and I'm going to use bathroom number 23. Exactly. I'm just thinking. What's the point? Wouldn't you have to have a person there 
full-time maintenance for the toilets? Because I think so, because when toilets are not flush for a really long time, they tend to leak. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really, honestly, I don't want a $750 million house. Believe me, that's not even a desire of mine. I just can't wrap my head around why someone would need that or why someone would want that because... What do you do with all those rooms? I mean, you could have a huge family living in there that would could break up throughout the house and not even see each other for days. You could get lost. Like, you could hide from your partner in there, and it might take them a couple of days to find you, you know? Yeah. it's. I don't understand. I think it's hide just— Hide and seek. Hey, that'd be a great place to play hide and seek, though. Come on. Yeah, I think it's just because uh, they can, but it, to me, what makes me—the thing— I can't wrap my head around is when you obtain that level of wealth where there's no way you can spend that money in the rest of your life. Why do you continue to make the obsession to do that when you should look hard and heavy and carefully at the fact that you're actually making life for other people more difficult at, you know, at their expense for your benefit. And I'm not saying that uh, people need to be always altruistic and always watching out for other people, but I think the world would be a better place if more of that uh, focus was on other people. How um, can you, my point is, and you know, I'm speaking from me. I'm not, I'm only me. I could never justify, like I couldn't walk out of a, I, I couldn't own a $750 million house and walk out that door yeah. and look around me and see homeless people on the streets and feel okay. That's yeah. what I'm saying. There's so much bad stuff in the world. Why don't you, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, you know, I, I, I still, I read this probably a month ago and I'm still trying to wrap my head around why someone would need something like that. But I guess I just don't understand because maybe when you become extremely wealthy, it, you look at it differently. And it that's becomes what an have- obsession. I think it's, no, it's kind of like a pissing contest, I feel like, but I think we should continue on with the, the subject. I know that we're talking about Rich, but on the topic of the Excel, because we, we're already almost an hour and a half in. Well, I think we should probably finish soon. Um, I think we've been doing really well, though, because we were talking about oh, the I cost so of too. living. And, yeah, yeah, that's, that's and no the extremes. To you. I mean, you know what? I think we're talking about life, and we know life is unfair, and it's not equal to everyone, and that's just life, okay? It's just that way. But also, I just think that to touch upon how, I think the way reason why we really got into talking about this is once we got into thinking about taxes and how the middle class are the ones that really tend to support the economy in this world or in the United States anyway. So I think that's how come we became really engaged in talking about that because it does pertain to our topic. Well, and and I'm not in disagreement. I mean, we already prefaced by saying that this will go different places as a result. I'm just saying when you get back to the subject to the core stuff, because I have some stuff written down that we need to go through still. Well, would you please break that down? Because I've I've wanted you to do this for the beginning of the podcast, like just a couple things, like what the the abbreviations are and what they go for. Because I just, to me, when we went through this bill, I thought it was interesting how you have to pay for gas going through pipes or the pipes that that have the gas going through them. Somehow I thought that should all be included in the total of what we pay, but they actually charge you more in addition to your monthly bill for just these little things. 
that I thought thought you made notes about. Maybe you didn't. No, I, I did. I did. But there's some other things I want to say first. Go for it. So first off, I just wanted to say the the major issue is, you know, the question is the American dream dead. And I would say for the most part it is because if you get a college education, coming out of a college education, uh, it depends if you're, what your major is, if it's computer science or you know, something uh, pays higher or, you know, um, uh, you know, you go to law school or something like that. But um, the reality is uh, getting out of all that, um, if you start making more money, you hit a tax wall that prevents you from making more because then your taxation goes up through the roof. So let's say you make um, more than $38,000. Your taxation goes from 11% to 22%. And then once you get above, what is it? I can't remember. So it doubles and it doubles. Yeah. And then you, once you get to above, I think 60 or 70,000, it goes up again. And then once you get above some amount of over $100,000, then it comes down. But the reality is that's what's keeping people poor is because all, we're already paying for everything, but now you have to pay additional taxes if you're trying to make your way up in the world. And that's what pisses me off about rich people saying, well, you're just not working hard enough or, you know, I, I you know, my $1 million per year that I earn, I earn every single penny. Well, I'm not saying you don't work hard, but do you work, I don't know, 50 or 500 times harder than I do? I don't think so. Um, so that's just one thing I want to throw out there real quick. Um, and then I just wanted to say, uh, just to get into this and we'll, we'll get back into it is according to, um, cost of living 2023, in order to live comfortably in Colorado, one must make a hundred thousand dollars yearly in order to survive the median income. So that's the middle most number for statistics. That's not the same thing as the mean, the mean is the average, the median is the middle most number of all of your data set versus the, um, the mean, which is the average where you obviously just take the average. So again, the median, the middle most income of individuals and household is 36,934 for a single person or for a household is 75,231 combined median income across households. So, and the minimum um, to be in the 20%, top 20% of earners in Colorado means that you need to earn at least $143,596 with the average income being $249,285. So again, again, to be the top 20% earners, what it means is it means that you, if it was an individual, you would be have to be earning $143,596 or for an entire household, you have to be at least earning $249,285. And that's according to BoulderColoradoUSA.com. Now, property taxes have nearly tripled. Um, they're currently sitting uh, for, for us at least, um, around $4,756. And roughly a decade ago, on the housing, during the housing crisis, in, housing crisis in 2008, uh, the property taxes on the house were closer to around 2000 So just kind of give you an idea. Um, a one-bedroom apartment in Boulder County averages $2,300 per month in rent alone. And um, just in case you're curious, what are Boulder people called? They're Boulderites. And um, $100,000 in Colorado, um, your take-home after taxation will be $73,000. So there's $26,000 in taxation per year. And like I said, once you get above a certain amount the amount of taxation goes down. Um, and then one thing to mention is just right outside of Boulder, there's a place called Louisville, Colorado. 
um, and it's just seven minutes away from Boulder and was rated by CNN Money Magazine as the top 5% of top places to live in 2005, number three in 2007, and number one in 2009 and 2011, and number three in 2013. So again, in 2009 and 2011, it was ranked number one on this latter part, and then number three in 2013. Um, And then, uh, let's see, the other thing is uh, National Geographic and uh, the Today Show recently recognized Boulder as the happiest city in the United States in 2011. Forbes recently noted that Boulder tops uh, the top list of equitable, sorry, top list of etiquette experts, friendliest cities in the nation. Gallup poll has, um, has it as the highest well-being communities in, for several years. So we don't have the actual years. So as far as getting into the, um, into the breakdown of the bill, um, we had to look into that because we were trying to figure out why everything was as expensive as it was. And it's like decoding, it's like decoding, a like a, like an encryption cipher it's really, really hard to explain, so we'll do our best to break it down. But the bottom line is they have everything itemized in a way that I think is intentionally deceitful. Wouldn't you agree with that? That's what I felt when we were going through this. Yes, absolutely. And we, there's no way that we can actually explain our, our gas usage for this past month being as high as it is. Again, we understand the past three months has been cool, cooler, but the fact that we... Um, didn't actually turn on the heat because we were cold, et cetera. We were not expecting, and the average temperature wasn't that bad for it to be the highest this past month. And I'm curious on this next one. So unless the January bill is for December, and that's the part I'm missing out on, um, which could be the case. And in February, it's coming down with Q1. That's not what we've been seeing, but I would be equally surprised that it's not going to go down just because of the way things have been. Um, Okay. So, as far as electric charges are concerned, there are different types of line items, and I'm just going to go through them. Um, we'll go ahead and maybe post this to the website in one form or another, so that way you guys can see it. It's going to be a poly, P-O-L-Y, a C-H-R-O-M-A-T-I-Q-E.com, polychromatic.com, in our new section, just because um, it was probably the easiest, so I can kind of go over this quickly. So the year is a service and uh, facility fee under electric, which pays for the meter on the home, accelerating the meter, billing you and providing customer service. Um, and then for people that pay for um, uh, their, uh, God, can you remind me what this was? The, re- the retail thing? Uh, hang on. Just give me a second because. Yeah, this was the one where like we're not affected by it, but apparently they charge based on like this criteria. It's like um, certain areas have it. I think oh. Denver has it. Basically, this is if you install the smart meter, which is oh. I think the thermom- or the uh, thermostat in your house. They actually have times of day. Like in other words, they rate it according to how much they charge certain times of the day if you have one of these meters okay thanks for explaining that yeah Mm -hmm. i was trying to remember so if you have the special smart meter it basically will break down the cost and i think personally it's not going to save you money i think it's going to actually cost you more money it sounds like to me when i was looking at that i thought oh i'm not getting one of those because it sounded like in the evening it got really expensive so yep so during peak hours they're going to charge you up the ass right and the rest of the time they won't but that's the great part of not having that system in your home is it's not going to 
discriminate when you actually use it. Well, I kind of feel like it gives them an insider, and I don't like that anyway. So they have what's called, it's called Retow, R-E-T-O-U, which is either on peak, or sorry, um, sorry, yeah, on peak, mid peak, or off peak time frame. Uh, sorry, time frames. And then there's the winter season um, or whatever season you're in. So it could be, um, I guess it would be, what are the seasons again? <laughs> spring, uh, some, <laughs> spring, summer, fall, and winter. Yeah, spring, summer, fall, and winter. And throughout the year, your quarter, throughout the quarters, as you go from quarter one to quarter four, as I already explained, the actual cost of each utility increases. So that's where you actually get. Uh, so for, I'll just give you an example. Winter season um, electric, uh, which would be quarter four. If you see one line item, but then a second line item, the second line item means that you're going into the next quarter, which would be Q1. So just if there's two items, realize that's the breakdown. But uh, actual gas usage for the previous quarter, as I said, for the first line item, um, is the least expensive in quarter one and the most expensive in quarter four. Uh, Actual gas usage for the next quarter for that second line item, if billing occurs mid-month during a quarterly transition period. And now there's a trans, trans cost adjust which is uh, to charge to pay for the transmission lines. There's an electric commodity adjustment, and there are two line items potentially for this one. Uh, One is the actual fuel cost to generate the energy uh, we use, and this is the overhead uh, gas usage used by Excel to actually generate the energy. So it's not the energy output, but the overhead that's required to actually generate the energy in the first place. And so the first line item will be for the previous quarter. And then the if there's a second line item, it'll be a breakdown for the next quarter. Because again, they do a tiered system based on the quarter that you're in. And um, split month uh, adjustment is, is what I said for the second line. New quarter, if current bill transitions into next quarter. Okay, that's already said that. Um, so demand side management cost helps to fund rebate incentives for home- homeowners to install smart thermostats, LED light bulbs from Excel. This also helps fund that subsidy and other subsidies. And they also have a um, a trans electric plan helps to fund rebate incentives, homeowners, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, we got that for both. I don't know what the breakdown with those two is then. Um, they have a purchase cap cost adjustment, and those are two line items potentially. Um, the first one is energy purchased by Excel from a third party, previous quarter costs. And then of course the next item is if it's, if it transitions to the, um, billing period transitions to the next quarter, that'd be the next quarter's cost breakdown. And then there's the GRSAE electricity rate change that was not paid for in the previous section adjustment if they didn't bill enough in the previous, um, rate charges above. So in other words, if Excel's not making enough overhead money in addition to the profits they're sending if if it costs the company more money for anything it's coming back onto the consumer no matter what because that that grsae basically will make up for that that cost so they're it's guaranteed that they're always going to be making record profits every amount because they can just charge the consumers for it the next line item is egcrr so this is for the february 2021 um, cold snap, and it will last until February 20, 20, February of 2024 when Excel purchased the very expensive natural gas from the winter cold snap to cover the surge in demands and keeping the gas flowing during that time. So we're paying for the fact that they were not prepared for that. A renew renewable energy a standard adjustment, number 1% of the bill, sorry, 1% of the bill to fund renewable energy effort generation initiative in Colorado. 
And then we have the Colorado Energy Plan Adjustment Pay Excel Back for retiring multiple coal plants early. And then an energy <laughs> assistance charge. I know that's getting excessive, right? Bill assistance for those in need passed by Colorado legislature. You can optionally opt out of this charge, but by default, you are built for it. And then last but not least, this one's the, bo- the, the best part. There's a franchise fee, which is 3%, covers the associated costs owned by the owner of the branch for the uh, for to the umbrella parent company, which is Excel. In this case, um, Excel gets 3% of whatever that franchise makes, and it's passed along to the consumer. Now, I'm going to uh, move over my computer to my mom so she can read off the gas ones if you're up to it, or would you rather me do it? Um, you can just continue if you okay. want, because right. you wrote this out. You may remember better than Okay, mine. that's fine. So then now we get into natural gas. Okay, so first off, there's a there's a thing. Um, electric runs under kilowatt hours, which makes pretty much logical sense. But there's also, uh, with natural gas, something called, um, uh, well, they're cubic feet per gas, which is CFF or something, or CCF. Um, and that is multiplied by this constant. It's like 0.89, some, what's, called, what's called a therm multiplier to get the total number of therms. My question is, what is that? Where did they get that from, uh, that conversion uh, factor? But um, anyways, then you get to therms. So that's what you're charged for. This past month, we were charged for 241 therms, and the month before was 100, sorry, 190. So we somehow... J- used up an additional 50 therms. So that's what makes us think we might have a gas leak or we're being screwed up by the energy company. We can't explain how we used all this energy when it wasn't colder and we weren't using it. So, but anyways, let's get to the line items. There's a service and facility fee, meter on the home, accelerating the meter, billing you and providing customer service. Usage charge um, uh, covers Excel gets, uh, sorry, covers Excel, uh, Sorry, I guess Excel's ability to get you gas. For instance, storage, pipelines, etc. Gas infrastructure to deliver gas uh, to distribution hubs and then into your home. And then there's the interstate pipeline, which covers the cost to move gas onto Excel system. (laughs) Then there's the natural gas uh, one through four quarters. So depending on which quarter you're in, and again, this can be possibly two line items because if you have a bill that uh, transitions from one quarter to another, you'll have you know, partial charge for on each quarter. So um, there's the actual gas, gas usage for the previous quarter. Um, that And, and again, um, first quarter is the least expensive and fourth quarter is the most expensive. And then the next line item is the actual gas usage for that next quarter. And then there's the DS. MCA, which is an incentive program, like um, incentive, sorry, incentive program, if I can talk, uh, that funds rebates for homeowners to install more efficient gas appliances and insulate their home. And then I don't know what the RDS is. We couldn't find out what the RDS is, but there's a, a charge for that. Uh, the GRSAP-P is a gas pipeline adjustment cost due to rate change. This can either be in the form of a refund for overpaying or in the form of a bill for underpaying. It's a way of truing up everything at the end. So again, they're not, <laughs> Excel's never really at a loss here. And, it, and the most important thing to understand before going to the next, next line item is Excel can just ask the Energy Commission in Colorado for another adjustment. You know, oh, we need, I think, can you remind me what it was? Was it 38 million they asked for or something? Yeah, Most I think recently. it was around 38 million. And they said they approved it. And they've been approving every single thing. That's like completely blindly. And they just get whatever they want. And in addition, they're charging these cust- the customers more and they're making record profits even during a downturn. So that makes zero sense. 
in a downed economy that an energy company can be doing this unless what they're doing is exploitful. And it is definitely exploiting people. Uh, the next line is the EGCRR, which again, this uh, can be comprised of two line items. So um, depending on a split quarter, there is, um, oh, sorry, split quarter between billing periods. There, This is to repay from the February 2021 uh, cold snap. And this repayment period to repay back Excel for all this will last until February of 2025. Um and this is where Excel had purchased really expensive natural gas. Um, and again, first line item would be previous quarter. Next line item possible would be next quarter if it's a split quarter. And there's a GRSA. Um, is any amount that is still due to um, underpaying after all other associated costs have been calculated? So just like electric, they have a, a catch-all um, in case you haven't paid enough. And this mentions nothing about um, if you've overpaid, you get your money back. And then there's an energy assistance charge. It is an optional charge. You can opt out that helps those with financial uh, need reduce their financial burden for their bills. And then, of course, the fi same franchise fee. Something I wanted to say real quick before I pass it back to my mom is I just wanted to say this a little bit. I have never had a problem in my life with paying my energy bill, ever. And I've been paying my energy bill ever since I lived on my own. And I'm currently paying for the energy bill here because my mom's handling... All other aspects, like you know, including our uh, our taxes every year on the house and insurance on the house, etc., um, which I'm happy to do, and I'd like to do as long as I can. But the thing is, recently it's been very challenging. I'm currently on disability. It's been very challenging to to handle these uh, recent influxes in bill bill in our uh, Excel bill. And there's absolutely no good reason for it. I actually called Excel to ask them about it, and I was asking the possibility of, you know, what, what can be done? And I was told the best that they could do was they could split it up. Um, so, you know, I could pay it, pay it over time or something. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe that might be something I'm interested in. So first I was like, no. And then I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Why don't we look into that? Well, what I found out is they have to take you off of auto pay to do this. They can't just freeze the auto pay to have their auto pay you know, renew, you know, the following month or the month after that, they have to take you off auto pay in order for you to um, be set up with taking a partial balance from a month and advancing it to next month, even if that's a couple of months. So I told them that's absolutely of no use to me because now the chances of me not paying my bill on time increases. And, um, you know, the more than anything, I hope the legislation really looks into this because I think that we're going to find a lot of fraud, a lot of antitrust, especially with the monopoly that Excel has. I think and I pray to God that we do. I hope this. I hope this bankrupt bankrupts them. I hope this. But of course, probably not going to happen because we already know that in this country, if you got money, you can go get away with murder. You can have blood all over your hands. You can have the fingerprints all over the victim. And guess what? If you have enough money in this country, you can get away with murder. Man, this whole thing just roars with BS. It is. Uh, I'm telling you, it's so stressful. Like when you're reading that. I'm laughing because it's so unbelievable at all the breakdown of this. But it's so interesting when I read earlier that Excel saved Colorado in $700 million. What the hell does that even mean? Well, because when you were reading this, there's a there was a 1% fee that we saved for energy saving stuff, like in investing in energy saving stuff. So we're the ones paying for it. The other thing that came to mind when you were doing this was, you know, you, you've broken up the quarters different times for us. So if you think about it, 
Fourth quarter is the most expensive. Well, that's the most expensive to begin with time of year because it would be um, November, no, October, November, December. So that's going to be. So then January, February, March is number one. So they have it in their favor anyway with the way the quarters are broke down. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just a giant monopoly. And, you know, it's almost reminds me of the monopoly game. Like I remember when (laughs) I used to play, but if I could get my hands on boardwalk and park place, I could win that game every time because it was the most expensive real estate on the whole board. And if you own that and you built your hotels People came around and landed on it, and they had to pay you a bunch of money. They just go bankrupt really quickly. So I just feel like we're just playing the game of Monopoly. I mean, that's the way I see this, because we just keep going around that board, mm-hmm. and we are all, we are landing on Park Place and Boardwalk yep. with XL Energy. That's all I I've got to say. I love the analogy you came up with, and you know what? That's so perfect. It's like... You know, if you're unlucky enough to land on that, and we're all landing on that, it's not. Here's the thing. We talked about this, Mom, right? You and I had a conversation about this, and it was a pretty lengthy one. We talked about how can you, and it's not that we're wanting to run away from life, but how can you reposition or even move away to find a place where you can live more comfortably? And the simple answer is it's not, it's not simple. There might be a few places in the world where it's possible, but for the most part, it's not. Because the reality is we're in a global economy. And this, the welfare of the entire world rests on the welfare of the United States, sadly. Because we do control the money supply in large because um, the United States dollar is usually valued over other currencies. And it used to be because it was backed by gold, et cetera, and we were powerful and blah, 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 blah. And the only people that had weapons and you know, weapons of mass destruction, et cetera. And now that's less the case. Now it's more, it's funded by whatever natural resources there are. So in this case, you know, oftentimes oil. I always associate whether it's true or not, but I think I'm pretty accurate. Um, the reason why our United States dollar has value is because it's backed by an energy commodity such as oil. And uh, of course, we stick our face in all the other business of the world and do you think that really when we were over in Afghanistan, it was really because we were trying to get rid of terrorism? Or do you think that we were also sticking our head in the oil fields and also in the poppy fields? I mean, you know, that's, that's what, and we're also, uh, you know, fighting proxy wars nowadays. All I've got to say about this whole thing is that it's ludicrous, unfair. I mean, but we have no control. So what I am th- grateful for after reading this is that it's beginning to look as though there's going to be some legislation that's going mm-hmm. to go into effect. And honestly, listeners, we all have to have a voice. And you know, sometimes we feel like one voice is not going to change things. But you know, if we bond together and all voice our feelings that's when things change. It's when we get a mass amount of people together that can make things change. And that's the whole idea behind peaceful protests is to get out there in the world things that are unjust or things that are not okay and to be able to express yourself. And I'm not, I'm not talking about when they get out of control. I'm just saying peaceful protests of being able to express how you feel about something and really to have a voice in this. Um, it sounds as though with um, the research that Zach and I've been doing, they're getting um, something like, I don't remember the number and I'd hate to quote it, 
but they're getting um like uh this relief place that can help you if you're part of the leap program they said that their calls are up like 115% of what they were before. That, that something sounds like right. That. I think it was 160, actually, 168. And there are people that are voicing this. And you know what? If this does become part of legislation and there is a ceiling on what they can charge you, voices do matter. It, it is not going to change for next month because it's going to take a while for all this to go into effect. But do know that even though we may feel powerless and that's the worst feeling in the world. And I think that's what I was feeling when we talk about this whole subject matter yeah. is that how do we change this? Because this is unfair. Well, you know what? I would love to see in the future, that it comes out that, in fact, they have been doing things that are illegal mm -hmm. because it would please me because I really think that what they're doing is illegal. I mean, they are using something that is a necessity yes. to people to survive. And I think that having some way to be able to control this, like with le legislature, I, I like to think of the positive in the end that maybe we can change some of this. So I guess what I'm trying to say is speak up about what you believe in. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, we are powerless in many ways because maybe we don't have that much wealth or not capable of changing things because of that. But we're all kind of sitting in the same boat here. And if we work together, that's the whole thing about... Power in numbers, for sure. Yeah, that's the whole thing about why Zach and I are partly doing this podcast is because we just see the separation in this world mm -hmm. and how people feel so... Disconnected. Disconnected and so alone. And I really want to see, like, uh, Zach and I are two little voices here, but I think there's a lot of other voices in this world that would agree... Wouldn't it be great if we could just feel connected to other people and not feel so distant and feel as though that people genuinely care about one another? And I've seen it. Okay, I'm not going to say that's all gone because I've seen some really kind acts um, most recently um, by people with um, that have helped uh, Zach with some of his issues that are going on with him personally right now in a way that have been very very kind and very genuine. And when I see that, it really reinforces to me that there are people out there mm -hmm. that really do care. But I think that we don't see that so much because we're so overwhelmed with, with just trying to exist in this world. Which, trying to survive. We're not, we're not even enjoying life. We're not living. We're just surviving, going around. And so hopefully we, with our topics and discussions and things like that, maybe we can all be a bigger voice together at some point mm -hmm. um, in making change and promoting change. And one of the biggest changes, and it's really the one of the greatest things I'd love to see, is that connection with people. And that's what we really want to do is connect with you and know that there are other people who are down to earth and who want to feel that connection and that warmth and that there are people that care for one another in this world and not to give up because it's seems so harsh right now with 
I think especially after COVID, I mean, distancing ourselves from people and, and literally distancing ourselves from people was really a strange thing. And obviously, it's what we needed to do at the time. But I think it's time now to really look at, you know, what can we do in our world to make this world a better place for all of us? What What is it that we can give? Or what is our passion in that area of what we feel that we would like to see changes in? And we are really open for topics. And, you know, you can email us and give us suggestions. We would love to 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 talk about some things that you guys might be interested in. And, um, you know, just stay connected. You know, for those of us, for those of you who continue to listen to our broadcasts, and we appreciate you. We really do. We really, really would like to feel that connection of you guys coming back and listening. And hopefully someday, maybe there will be a way that we can even talk to you. And that's um, something in the future that Zach and I are, are thinking about very strongly and just have not come to to the grips of actually making this all happen. So we don't want to talk about that too much until we get to that point. But it's it's really we want to connect more on a personal basis. That's where we want this to lead us eventually. And when we get there, we'll talk about it more. But, um, you know, Zach, I, I um, think this was a really good topic, even though sometimes... It's hard to talk about those things that really bother us because... Yeah, it seems like we're being negative. And even though that's not where we're coming from, we're actually wanting to provide hope with what we say. Like we want, I think we feel the world. We're very empathetic and we feel the world and we're all humans and we all have kind of innately the human condition. And so we want to both explain and expose and describe the human condition, but we also want to expose the reality that we've been living disconnected ever since the pandemic hit. And we know what that's like. And so we hope this voice really resonates. Passion that we put out there really resonates. The authenticity, the realness that we share really resonates in a way that really speaks to your soul and speaks to your heart in a way that's like, God, I'm looking forward to the next episode and to be involved with us. Like my mom was saying, we don't want to comment too early on it, but suffice to say, you know, we have plans in the future where there might be opportunities where you guys can be more involved beyond just commenting on the podcast you know, possibly being involved actually on the podcast, but we don't want to comment on it too soon until, until we get there. Well, you know, and just one other thing I want to say before we end is that one thing I've learned, sometimes just the simplest thing is just smiling at someone who may look like they're down when they make eye contact with you with just giving them a smile that can change someone's day. We don't have to go out there and do all these major things, just thinking, be mindful around us and the people we see. We are all human beings. We're all equal. And to be kind to one another and just in the... Be kind to ourselves. And absolutely self-care, being kind to ourselves, giving ourselves some grace and showing that towards others is really kind of a beautiful thing. So just even maybe this week, if you see someone, maybe that looks a little down, just just give them a little smile. You don't know, maybe that that will help them make it through the day. Maybe they're going through some really hard things and hard times or maybe something, an, an event that's going on in their life. And just, just try to uh, realize that the smallest things we can do sometimes can be huge for someone else. Yeah. And that's so important is, you know, sometimes we can get wrapped up in the way the world feels just nowadays so negative. 
you know, some ways we live in a very amazing time with the internet, but the internet's also changed us, I think, for the for the worst. You know, here we have technology to connect us in ways that would not be possible. I think of what the pandemic. Pandemics allowed people to continue working. It's connected people when we had to separate. It's been amazing. But on the other hand, we rely on it over heavily in a lot of cases, in a way that really it's a wedge, it's a disconnect. I mean, how easy is it to break up with someone nowadays? You don't even have to call them on the phone. You can send them a text message and say, I'm done. And then delete them from the phone and never talk to them again. And if you if you think that's atypical, that's actually the way that it happens 90% of the time. And it's really screwed up that people don't actually have the face to actually break up with a person and or even have a conversation, but just be completely shut out. I think that's cruel and are unusual to do that. I do too. I can't even imagine. It's just the thought of it makes me very sad. It really, really does. So anyway, um, I think that I'm kind of really glad we did this and I, I feel so kind too. of relieved talking about it. Yeah, it feels good to talk about it. You know, because sometimes, as I just said, it's those things that we don't want to talk about. We need to talk about the most. And um, certainly. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And certainly maybe that's what we need to remember that when we don't want to talk. But, you know, some of our podcasts are going to be really very uh, about details, like about the that may impact all of us in a way, because that's being responsible. I mean, if we're really wanting to take a topic and look at yeah. something can't that can't be affects, afraid of it. Yeah, can't can't really be afraid of it. So again, we appreciate any emails. Um, visit our visit this beautiful website that Zach made. I mean, honestly, it is incredible. And it's not I'm not just saying that because Zach mm. did it. I mean, I'm Zach, you know how fond I am of you. Aww. And how much you mean to me, but it truly is beautiful. And um, I really hope that we can do a, uh, another podcast here. Um, this weekend, this I would weekend. love to. Yeah, I would love to do that and come up with a really, really good organic topic of sorts mm-hmm. and uh, continue down the road. But anyway, we thank those of you who are listening to us and uh, please come back and um, yeah. We want to, we want to be your friend. We want to, we, we want to enlighten you and we want to be positive and we want to, we want to, we want to support and help build you and know that you're not alone. You're not crazy for thinking the world's kind of, kind of messed up because it is, it is, is, and we live it every day. And, but we need to understand the importance that we're in this together and don't underestimate the power of positivity and being a positive influence on other people and uh reciproc you know reciprocatively um if that's a word uh you know other people can show you the same and it's about showing kindness to ourselves and and kindness and grace to others giving people the benefit of the doubt but also holding people accountable when they need to be held accountable and that's a case where uh with what's happening with this energy stuff i think it's complete utter bullshit i love that you said that zach because you want to know something that's really what it's about right now. Our topic tonight is the accountability of a major corporation taking advantage of people and us individually. But how many million of people, millions of people is this taking advantage of? And those things do need to be talked about. So, you know, um, I'm really glad you said that because accountability is, is a very important part of life. It is. And um, it's just important also for us to show grace and patience towards ourselves and others. It's something that we forget to do because, you know what, there are so many problems in the world. 
And it seems like the world keeps getting sicker and sicker with it. Like there's a certain sickness to it. And you even see it on the news. This reason why I don't watch the news anymore. I naturally, through natural osmosis, find out the important stuff that's negative on the news, usually from coworkers and friends and the like. And I'll find out one way or another about really major situations. But do I want to hear every day about how someone came in and shot up another place? No, because you know what? I think there was a year, like a year or two ago, where that was happening on the regular. Like literally every day or every other day, sorry, no, literally every day and sometimes multiple times the same day, there were shootings. And they're telling us about this. It's like, you know, (laughs) gun legislation. Unless it's going to happen, we're going to keep hearing about this and I'm tired of hearing about it. You know, it it makes me sick. It makes my heart sick. Absolutely. So totally anyways, um, did you think there was anything useful about playing that soundbite from, from the news or do you think we sh- we're, we're done? I think we pretty well. Okay. I think, everything I think we, we are to. too. And so um, we hope to um, talk to you soon. And uh, this weekend is what we're planning on. And uh, yeah, we're excited about what we're doing. We're excited about the future with this podcast. And as Zach said, we're really passionate and investing a lot to be able to do this. And we thank you so much for listening to us. Yeah. Most importantly, thank you guys so much for listening, for your support. Even if you just listen, it means a lot to us. We do get the statistics from rss.com, our podcasting host. When you guys click on it, you guys listen to it. We hope to get some other um, basic demographic information. I don't know how they do that, but um, bottom line is nothing too pressing. Is you know just basically where your IP address did it come from a certain country, so we can kind of know those demographics. But um, just want to say from the bottom of my heart, um, this is such a passion project for me and my mom. We really put our heart and soul on the line with what we do here, and we are happy to share that with you. We hope it makes your day better, and we just uh, really appreciate you. And um, I guess we'll see you in the next one. Spread peace and love. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.